Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Good morning. Roto Experts. To the end zone. It's hot. The mark of fantasy excellence. You have to be careful about who you think is stepping forward on the depth chart. It's caught for a touchdown. We're here to help you win your leagues and win that cash. You are now tuned in to the Roto Experts in the morning. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Carry on my wayward son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry no Rise and shine, fantasy players. It is a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Monday, September 24th. Let's cock-a-doodle do it. This is Roto Experts in the Morning right here on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I'm your host, Dane Martinez. They call me Speeds, the spitting statistician. And as always, I am overjoyed to be joined by my man, FSWA Hall of Famer, El Rey de Fantasia. The King, Scott Angles. Scotty, how you doing after a week three Sunday? A uh, lot to absorb. Uh, yeah. You know, some, bad, some bad news. A uh, few interesting performances. And, uh, you know, I think uh, the, the Buffalo Bills showing you about uh, demonstrating how unpredictable our favorite game is. Yeah, absolutely. Completely unpredictable. The Buffalo Bills go into Minnesota and just straight up boat race the Vikings. This is a team in Minnesota who many people thought were, you know, the best team in the National Football League. Some people had them as Super Bowl picks, you know, and I'm watching I'm watching the games, the one o'clock games. I'm watching like my stat trackers and stuff, and I'm like, oh, Kirk Cousins fumbled it in his own territory. Yeah, that's interesting. And then I'm like, oh, Kirk Cousins fumbled in his own territory again. That's interesting. I'm like, oh, it's like 17 nothing. Oh, it's like 24 nothing. This could be it. Then I go over and check my survivor pool. And, of course, I had Minnesota, as a number of people did. You hear it at the top of the show. Okay, this was the biggest upset in the NFL in 23 years. Remember, the Bills went off as 17-point underdogs and won this game outright. You could have got plus 1,500 with them on the money line. Let's go into this a little bit further. Scotty, I mean, listen, Kirk Cousins still has it looks like he has a representative fantasy day, right? With 296 yards and a touchdown. But this is to me an example of how uh, game script and game flow can completely change it. A lot of people were wondering about Latavis Murray thinking he was maybe a good little sneaky fill-in when the Dalvin Cook news came out. He winds up because the Vikings are down so 
big. He winds up with only two carries and one yard on the day. Truly amazing stuff here. Is this more uh, Buffalo really has something, or the Vikings kind of were looking past Buffalo in this one to their Thursday night showdown against Philly? What do you think happened here, Scott? I think, you know, football's a game of emotion, and uh, Buffalo had heard all this talk, outside talk probably, about, you know, how horrible they were and how they didn't give a chance, and, you know, they, they really came to play. They set the tone early defensively with two strip sacks of Cousins, and, you know, just, you know, they they – they, uh, the Vikings didn't seemingly didn't, didn't match their intensity. And when you look at Cousins' line, it's not that impressive when you consider that he put the ball up, I think, 55 times and only ended up with one touchdown uh, and one interception. So, you know, not too impressive of a day at all. Latavius Murray got totally uh, game flowed right out of this. Uh, you know, was not a factor because, you know, he's not really a pass catcher whatsoever, and they really don't have a pass receiving back. You know, now that they've lost Jarek McKinnon, uh, fortunately, Adam Thielen posted some really, really good numbers here as they played catch-up, and I think he's surpassed Stefan Diggs here as the number one target, although, you know, they're 1-1A, and and, uh, thankfully you got Kyle Rudolph salvaging a late garbage-time touchdown for those of us who started him. Yep, absolutely. Thielen with 14 catches, 105 yards. As you mentioned, Diggs goes only four for 17. I wonder how much of this is, you know, game flow and how much of this was the way Buffalo was defending Diggs and Thielen. But I digress. Thielen with definitely a much bigger game than Diggs yesterday. The other thing on the other side of it I want to mention, listen, Chris Ivory comes out big time, okay? He has 56 yards on 20 catches, but he also had the big uh, the big catch, three catches for thir- for 70 yards. So he puts together 126 scrimmage yards, three catches as well. A lot of people are going to be asking about us, about him to us, Scotty, come, you know, waivers tomorrow on Wednesday. I'm more of the side that this was a one-week thing because we expect Shady to come on back. But is there any reason that people should take another look at uh, Chris Ivory if Shady's going to be banged up for the next couple of weeks? Yeah, I, we really don't know if Shady's going to come back next week or not. He's having, he's having, reportedly, he's having trouble breathing. So, you know, I don't know how long he's going to be out here. Chris Ivory was running hard yesterday and then a 51-yard catch and run, you know. So this is something you have to take a look at. You know, I said it in my uh, in my advanced scout last week, which I'll be running today again on rotoexperts.com. If a guy has a chance to start at any point, you have to get him on your roster. It's not easy to get a starting running back on your roster because outside of the top eight or nine running backs in fantasy football, it seems like we can't rely on anybody else. Yeah, absolutely. These workhorses are now few and far between. So anybody that gets snaps, get touches, could be viable and could pop off on any given week. You saw it with Chris Ivory yesterday. Scotty, I want to let people know before we get into all the games here that there's so many ways for people to join the fun, okay? You could holler at us later on this hour at 844-843-6879. You could follow us on Twitter at ScottyRotoX, at Spittin' Speeds. Don't forget also, if you want to uh, make sure that if you talk 
fucking L this week for some reason, you want to make sure you get back up on the horse, the best thing to do is to check on us out at rotoexperts.com and get the Roto Experts exclusive in-season fantasy package, all right? Um, it gives you great content. You even get the Fantasy Executives blog so you can keep up to date on what is going on. Don't forget to enter the promo code the King at checkout. I also want to tell people that Fantasy Factor, Scott, is the only DFS site <clears throat> with exclusively single-entry contests. It's fun and a recreational place to play with smaller leagues and flatter prize pools. They have great free promos like Survivor, Superbox Squares, and March Madness Bracket Contest. Sign up today. Go on over to FantasyFactor.com. That's FantasyFactor.com. A lot of people probably got banged out of their Survivor pools over on the Fantasy Factor yesterday. Many, many people I know picked the Minnesota Vikings. Many people picked the New England Patriots in Sunday Night Football. So let's go there right now. Our boy Chris Bavona started the show with a little carry on my wayward son. And in fact, carry on Johnson is the first Detroit Lions running back to run for over 100 yards in something like five years. I think they said Reggie Bush was the last to do it on a Thanksgiving day. But listen, the defense, the former defensive coordinator, uh, really, I think, uh, you know, pressured and kind of, I don't know if confused Tom Brady is the right word, but he cer- they certainly stopped the run. <clears throat> And they limited Tom Brady to only 133 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception, frustrating TB12 and Tom Belichick all day long. What do you take out of this one, Scotty, that the defensive coordinator kind of knew the way to stop Bill Belichick? Or that we've got an interesting back in Detroit and carry on my wayward son, 16 carries, 101 yards. He also caught a couple of balls for nine yards, so 110 scrimmage yards for carry on my wayward son. Yeah, it's uh, you know impressive the first time since Thanksgiving of 2013 that they've had a 100-yard rusher. And, you know, he's making the most of every touch, but that that's still uh, that's still a committee there. So, you know, it does cap his upside on a week-to-week basis. You know, he's not going to run for 100 yards on that many carries every week. So, look, I think Harry Ann Johnson's emerging as a quality flex play, but uh, I think the amount of carries there is not going to allow him to, you know, vault into RB2 territory just yet. As far as the... Uh, as far as the Patriots go, they just weren't in rhythm right now. And, you know, we've seen the Patriots start slow before. We've seen Brady start slow before. Uh, Josh Gordon was inactive. Uh, you know, he's going to get him next week, and then he'll have Edelman back in two games. You know, I think I think we've seen, you know, no matter what quarterback it is in the NFL, he's got to be surrounded with the right playmakers. You know, Gronk has been very disappointing. Teams have taken away Gronk the first three weeks, and the other guys haven't stepped up here. And, you know, there, there's already questions this morning about, you know, Brady's supporting cast, etc. But, you know, we, we've seen this before. Brady starts slow. Uh, I think it was two years ago he started really slow, and fantasy owners were panicky. If you could swoop in and buy on Tom Brady this week, I'd go ahead and do it. You know, they're all. This is like, I think that they're just now forty-six and seven. Like after a loss, like it was only like the seventh time where they had like drop back-to-back games, you know, or something like that, you know, during the Brady era. You know, they'll bounce back. I think the offense will be fine. All right. I want to follow up on a couple things you just said there, Scotty. One is that um, you talk about how 
carry on is still kind of in a timeshare or a committee with LeGarrette Blunt and Theo Riddick handling the passing duties. I guess my question for you is, you know, what we see many times with rookie running backs is that over the course of the season, their share of snaps and opportunities and carries start to kind of tilt in their direction. You know, um, do you think we're going to see that with carry on Johnson? I mean, LeGarrette Blunt, 16 carries as well for 48 yards. So 16 for Johnson, 16 for Blunt. It's also the odd game for Detroit where they were up kind of by multiple scores for most of the second half and were able to run the ball. I think the most, the biggest outlier number may be Matthew Stafford only throwing the ball 36 times. He usually throws the ball more than 40 times, we would say. But do you think that that balance is going to just tilt more and carry on Johnson's way? I mean, it was 16 carries for KJ, 16 for LeGarrette Blunt. I kind of expect as the season to go along, the scales to tip more um, with carry on getting more than 50% of the carries. Do you think that that'll start to happen over time? And if so, don't you want to get ahead of it now? I think that's what we want to see as fantasy players, but I don't think there's any indication that it's going to happen just because we want it to happen as fantasy players. You know, this team, you know, GM Bob Quinn, you know, made a dedication to making this ball club more physical. And when you have a hammer like like LeGarrette Blunt, you're going to be able to, you know, wear down opponents. There's there's a role for every one of them in the passing game, and I think they like what they have with the three running backs. So I can't say with any certainty that, that that's going to happen until next season. All right, fair enough. But in this receiving game, one thing that we have been saying all season long, and I believe it continued, our guy, our guy had six catches, Scotty, 53 yards and a touchdown, had another one or two called back via penalty. Looks like, you know, to me, looks like the ascension of our guy is continuing. Sing it with me, Scotty. It would be so nice, Galladay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. What do you think about that? I mean, Scotty, Golden Tate goes six for 69. Marvin Jones, four for 69. And the Tud. Galladay, six for 53. The three wide receivers all getting off to a certain extent, becoming that fantasy herd that I talk about so much. But it's clear to me. Uh, Scotty, that Galladay kind of is, you know, he's the bigger body. He almost made an incredible touchdown catch on the sideline, getting his heels involved. It seems like, to me, Kenny Galladay is the one of these three with the arrow pointing up. I think so. You know, big target, good hands, uh, quickness for a big guy. But, you know, it's kind of like the running backs. You know, they have a nice balance there. But Offensively, this team is... Probably more fantasy than I could ever recall in, in the, fantasy Ma- the, Matthew, the Matthew Stafford era. And if it's working, you know, why mess with it? This team just has to play good defense. And, you know, they did it last night for the first time in three games. You know, the, the, Chris Collinsworth was talking about it last night on the broadcast. You know, the way to, to beat the Detroit Lions was simply to go in there and, you know, make Matthew Stafford throw the ball and, you know, then take apart right. their defense. They had no running game to threaten you. This is a different Lions team, you know, and it's taken three games for them to gel. They can easily fall back apart next week defensively, but I think they like what they have going on offense, you know, a committee both at running back and at wide receiver. 
Yep, that's why we call them the Fantasy Herd. As I look at this Lions schedule, Scotty, after this, they have they welcome they go to Dallas and then they come back home for Green Bay at before an early bye in week six, okay? And Dallas, um, as we saw yesterday, they need to figure themselves out a little bit as well. The one last thing I want to ask you about this game, Scotty, is you remember last week I was telling a lot of people that I thought it's set up for Sony Michelle to have his kind of breakout, right? Um, that I thought, you know, the Lions run defense was not good, and that I thought they were gonna we were gonna see some of Sony Michelle. Honestly, Scott, you know, I don't know if my call was right or wrong, to be quite honest. Sony Michelle goes 14 carries for 50 yards, catches one ball only for like negative one yard. So it was only 50 yards, right? Didn't get in the end zone. So you would say, Speeds, you messed me up. You were wrong. And I'd say, eh, not so fast. Because it was Sony Michelle who had 14 carries, okay? And I think part of this was just game flow, Scott. They were down so much. James White was on the field a lot. James White had only only three catches, though, for 14 yards. Outside of Sony Michelle, there were only four rushing attempts all by James White. I will say this, Michelle only had 50 yards, didn't get in the end zone, so if you started him, you know, in PPR formats, I think he only got something like six points, right? But I still think it is encouraging, Scott, that Rex Burkhead, you know, he's in the locker room with a neck injury, and it really looks like Sony Michelle is the starting running back for the New England Patriots. It, it looks that way. Uh, you know, starting means you're just on the field for the You uh, know what I mean, play though. The yeah, game. the lion's share of the carries, for sure. Yeah, I know what you mean, but the listeners, you know, I, I for the listeners, just to crystallize, just because you start doesn't mean that you're the team's mm-hmm. best fantasy runner. So you know, what you're getting at, though, is here, I know what you're getting at is, it looked like it was trending in the direction of Sony Michelle, you know, getting the most carries as a runner. And I think, you know, you started to see that last night, and that's encouraging because we haven't seen it in New England, New England since Corey Dillon. You know, what you hope and what it may trend in the direction of being is, is that Sony Michelle is the lead ball carrier, and James White is the featured receiving back, and they complement each other, and Rex right. Burkhead's only coming in there to be a change of pace guy, which is really what he was back in Cincinnati. I was never that impressed. Exactly. with Rex Burkhead last season, and I think that's why they drafted Sony Michelle. So, yes, it's trending in that direction, but I don't know if I'll ever view him as more than a flex this year because I think this still will be more pass-first team than anything. Yes, I hear you, Scott, and that does make sense. The fact that because this is a passing team, James White will always have a role. The last thing I'll say, uh, because, you know, to prevent the people on Twitter to be like, hey, Speed, you said Sony Michelle, you know, that sort of thing. Um, the other part that I'll say on this is this is the odd back-to-back stretch, Scotty. You made the point uh, at the top of the segment when we were talking about the uh, – that they've lost back-to-back games. You are not usually going to get a two-game stretch where the game flow dictates that, you know, they're down by multiple scores in the second half. That's what happened last week against Jacksonville and, of course, last night against Detroit as well. In most cases where most people bet, you know, the Patriots over 12 wins, they're going to be in a situation where they are using their, you know, quote-unquote normal starting running back. And I still like Sony Michelle moving forward. We got a lot of games to cover. Dane and Scott, Roto Experts in the Morning, right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. 
The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only place to go for 24-7 fantasy sports advice. Once you download the FNTSY Sports Radio app, you'll get the most accurate experts and most entertaining programming in the fantasy sports world. Listen to great shows like Fantasy Football Frenzy. There you go right there, Goon Squad. Game Time Decisions. Good teams win, great teams cover. Fantasy Freestyle. You know what it is. And plenty more. Download the FNTSY Sports Radio app on your iPhone and Android devices now and take the best fantasy sports talk wherever life leads you. Welcome back. This is Roto Experts in the Morning right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You got Dane Martinez with the King Scott Angle breaking down everything we saw yesterday. Game by game, letting you know what we think is sustainable, what's early, what to be early with. Like for some example, I think you need to be early with Sony Michelle. I know the Patriots lost yesterday, but Sony Michelle getting 14 carries. I think when the game flow gets the way it is a little bit more normal for the Patriots, you're going to have yourself a startable running back. Scotty, I also want to let people know that if they enjoy playing daily fantasy sports, but if you're sick of dealing with the professionals using algorithms to select hundreds of lineups and entries, try pro- Try the Props Builder tool over at mybookie.ag. Forget having to create multiple lineups. Ditch the hassle of dealing with late scratches and avoid the experts winning 90% of the money. Invest in players that you want without salary caps. And if you sign up for a new account using the promo code FNTSY, you can elect an option to receive a 50% deposit bonus. No more dealing with late lineup scratches. No experts to compete against. Just you and the prop that you choose. Go to mybookie.ag, enter the promo code FNTSY on sign up and choose your matchups using the props builder tool that's mybookie.ag use the promo code fntsy all right a little bit later on in the show as we close off the first hour we're going to open up the phone lines at 844-843-6879 our guy scotty our guy uh strong style who won our team name contest won it with jimmy g spot i know our guy chris ventra the closer is going to be crying into his t- pillow tonight because it uh, looks like Jimmy G, we don't have the complete and definitive word. But when you see a guy like that go down, Scott, in a non-contact injury and then get carted off, the result, the uh, reports don't look good. The 49ers fear the worst. Uh, could be the end of Jimmy G's season. I know it's not official, but I'm going to go ahead and take that leap of faith. I think, unfortunately, we've seen the last of Jimmy G. We'll get that confirmation likely today. But really tough break for the 49ers. I mean, they lose McKinnon in the offseason. They're starting running back. Then it, they could lose their starting quarterback. They could, in essence, lose, you know, uh, $180 million worth of offensive talent to uh, ligaments in the knee. Yeah, it's, it's certainly uh, certainly a big blow. They've already lost McKinnon, like you said. Uh, I don't know if I'd call it a non-contact injury. He took a big shot from Steve Nelson on that play. Uh, but I if don't you know look how the replay, he was going contrib- down before the hit. It was before yeah, the and hit. Yeah, the, the, the hit didn't help anything. That that's for sure. I don't know. I don't know how much you know the the injury, how much that related to the injury or not. You know, I'm not Doctor A, so you know, I'm not going to speculate. But uh, you know, took took a big hit. But his his season is is uh, looks like it's most certainly over. Got carted off. It's not a good thing. Uh, you know, I think. It, you know, now when you're betting, you'll be taking the 49ers in the under. You won't see him favored too much. Fantasy-wise, not good for Marquise Goodwin. Uh, maybe yeah. C.J. Beathard. Uh, we'll have to wait and see who he has a connection with. 
Maybe it'll be Dante Pettis. I don't know who he was working with in practice. Uh, they're going to have to rely on the running backs more. It just changes the whole scope and schematics of the whole team right now. We're going to have to wait and see how this works out. Yeah, absolutely. Brita also left the game for a minute, but then came back as Yeah, that well. was scary. Brita. I thought he was done for the year. Yeah, it looked pretty bad, but Brita, luckily for him, he was able to come back. He had a representative effort, 10 carries for 90 yards. He also added 27 yards in the passing game, so 117 yards, three catches. If you had Brita in PPR format, you're okay with the 14 points. That's about it. You know, Marquise Goodwin helps you out with the touchdown. Otherwise, he would have had only single digits. You mentioned before, Scotty, this idea of uh, who... C.J. Beathard, as I like to call him, has chemistry with. Uh, don't forget, we made this, I made this note a bunch last year. Um, C.J. Beathard went to – do you know what college he went to, Scotty? Uh, not off the top of my head, no. He went to Iowa. He was an Iowa Hawkeye. Do you, uh, do you know what college George Kittle went to? No. Iowa, an Iowa Hawkeye. These two guys were roommates in college, C.J. Beathard and George Kittle. Okay, they were friends and roommates in college, both Iowa Hawkeyes. So when you're asking who Beathard may have a connection with, I submit George Kittle as the answer to that question. Kittle had five catches, 79 yards. On the other side of things, didn't we always listen, Didn't we always hear that about Andrew Luck and Kobe Fleener too? We did. They that did. They, were roommate, they also that they were roommates. They in were also friends. I just in think. College I just think. Well. I just think Kittle's a good tight end. I don't think it has anything to do with them being roommates. All right. Well, I do think yeah. some uh, chemistry is always a good thing. Kittle five catches, seventy nine yards. But let's go on over to the other side, Scotty, where the Chiefs just will not stop putting up offensive production. Patty Mahomes twenty four for thirty eight, three hundred and fourteen yards, three touchdowns, and once again. Pretty a lot of people getting involved. Kelsey, 8 for 114. Sammy Watkins, 5 for 55 and a touchdown. Only two catches this week for Tyreek Hill, 2 for 51. All right, and, and um, you know, Kareem Hunt is the one who gets into the end zones. I mean, listen, Patty Mahomes had three touchdowns, so he now has 13 on the year in three games. But they got Kareem Hunt a couple of one-yard touchdown runs today or yesterday, along with 44 yards. I mean, Scotty, is this still let, – let, let's put it this way. Which offense do you think is more impressive? This one or what we see in Los Angeles out of the Rams? Uh, I, I would have to say by default – Kansas City, because I don't think we expected it to be this good. I, I don't think we expected it to be this explosive. And it's, what's interesting, you, you look at Kareem Hunt, he has no rushing yards, hardly. Right. It's, you're not getting targeted in the passing game. But he may continue to be touchdown dependent because this team is going to get within the five-yard line very often. He's going to have the opportunity to finish off drives. And the most impressive thing about Mahomes is the way he's spreading the ball around. The best quarterbacks in the league spread the ball around. And he's not giving up on plays. It was the, he, he ran all the way back, you know, doubled all the way back to the 25-yard line. Yeah. On a, it was like, what, second and goal? And he still yeah. threw a touchdown pass? Even when they're not giving him the, the plays that he wants, he's being creative. He, you know, he, he doesn't have to take what the defense gives him yet. Uh, it's going to be very, very interesting to see what happens when they play Jacksonville in Week 5. 
Yeah, that's in a couple of weeks. So everyone's going to be looking at that matchup, kind of like the best offense against the best defense to really see what happened there. Let me ask you about Kareem Hunt. Because on the one side, Scotty, I hear what you're saying, right? Kareem Hunt's going to finish off drives. Kareem Hunt's going to, you know, maybe finish off the clock. In the, in the fourth quarter, when the Chiefs are up big, as they have been in many games so far this year. But I don't think Kareem Hunt's going to lead the league in rushing like he did in his rookie year. I just think this offense is a completely different offense led by the explosiveness of Patty Mahomes. So let me ask you, on balance, what do you think about Kareem Hunt? I'm not saying you're, you're, you're concerned, because on the one side, you're still going to get these touchdowns, it looks like. But on the other side... The Chiefs' offense is not what they were last year. They, they have a different approach to moving the ball. So what do you think about Kareem Hunt moving forward? It almost like he becomes like Marshawn Lynch here, fantasy-wise. I think he becomes very touchdown-dependent. I don't know if you can count on that week in and week out. You know, So it's going to be dangerous for Kareem Hunt, who's looking more like a, like a low-end RB2 right now. Yeah, and you spend the first-round pick on him, uh, most likely kind of a mid- or back-end first-round pick on him, and he's not going to have the kind of... um He's not going to have the kind of touches that we think because this is driven by Patty Mahomes. Patty Mahomes continuing to look awesome at another three touchdowns. It was also ticking fantasy owners off yesterday because uh, I think it was a late first-half drive. They took Kareem Hunt out, you know, when they were trying to pass the ball for, like, Anthony Sherman and Spencer Ware. Yeah. Yeah, so definitely something to keep an eye on. Remember, uh, the Chiefs look different than they did last year, and they're putting up, they're lighting up the scoreboard. But you have to also consider what does that mean for fantasy for specific players. You know, also, Tyreek Hill killing the world in the first two weeks, right? But uh, does not get in the end zone yesterday. Um, only, only two catches yesterday. Is this just a f- function of, is this actually a good thing for Patty Mahomes fans, seeing that Patty Mahomes will not force it to Tyreek Hill and will just spread it around? Maybe that's part of the reason why they went out and got Sammy Watkins in the offseason, okay? They just have now matchup problems all over the field, Scott, and Patty Mahomes knows to just go wherever the matchup dictates. Yeah, Pat Mahomes is going to take whatever the defense gives him for a big play. If Tyreek Hill is not open and a lot of defenses – you know, want to take Tyreek Hill away, he's going to go somewhere else. And, you know, I think that does hurt Tyreek Hill a little bit, but he'll always find a way to get him a ball. He's been trending down, uh, you know, each of the last two weeks after that great opener. But he, he's still going to look to him for big plays. And, you know, they're still going to be there because Mahomes has proven that he can hit just about anybody. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Tariqa will definitely get his. I'm just saying it's more of a, like, you know, after week one, I had some people asking me if they should, like, drop Sammy Watkins, you know? And I'm like, no, he's one of the Chiefs' weapons. All of the Chiefs' weapons are startable, you know? Watkins, Hill, Kelsey, Hunt, and, of course, Patty Mahomes as well. Scotty, I want to switch gears here um, and start talking about another team and most notably another whole division worth of games. And I'm talking about the NFC South, which I think was very interesting yesterday. Of course, the Tampa Bay Bucks, who are, you know, in first place in this division, they play tonight. We'll preview Monday Night Football kind of at the end of the show. We're doing two hours today, okay? No Mike Blewett on Mondays. So next hour, when we switch on over to Fantasy Sports Today, Scott and I will continue our talk and we'll finish it off by previewing Monday Night Football Bucks and Steelers for sure. But, Scott, going into the season, we talked about guys like uh, Tariq Cohen, guys like Chris Thompson, 
Scott, we were like, oh, they want to manage their usage. They want to make sure that, you know, we don't use them up. You know, you want to keep them at the 15 to 18 kind of touches, these dynamic guys, right? Because we don't want to risk injury. We don't, you know, we don't want to do that. Then we also even heard in the offseason, Scott, we heard Riverboat Ron, Ron Rivera being like, I want to get Christian McCaffrey 25 to 30 carries a game. We laughed at him. We literally laughed at that concept. We were like, ah, that's just coach talk. Going into the season, we were like, oh, with the Mark Ingram suspension, don't expect Alvin Kamara to soak up all the extra opportunity, right? Well, check out what these two backs did in the NFC South yesterday, Scott. Christian McCaffrey, 28 carries for 184 yards, Scott, along with two catches. He did touch the ball 30 times in a Panthers win and then Alvin Kamara 16 carries for 66 yards with another 15 catches for 124 yards even at a touchdown overturned Scotty we were saying that these backs want to stay in the 15 to 18 touch range Christian McCaffrey had 30 touches Alvin Kamara had 31 touches in these ones with, um, <clears throat> excuse me, with the Saints winning a exciting thriller 43-37 in Atlanta in overtime and Carolina getting the win at home as well, 31-21 against Cincinnati who entered undefeated. Which one of these games you want to talk about first, Scott? Which one of these backs who had 30-plus touches yesterday do you want to talk about first? Well, it's interesting with Christian McCaffrey because I think that's what Norv Turner wants to do. I think he wants to bludgeon opponents to death with a combination of Christian McCaffrey and Cam Newton. And if McCaffrey's not going to do it in the running game, he's going to do it in the passing game. You look at the different dichotomy of the last two weeks, and, you know, was catching all those passes last week, and this week he's not involved in the receiving game. You know, Christian McCaffrey's going to be a workhorse. It's, it's a real thing. He's playing like a top-five fantasy running back in PPR right now. As far as the Falcons and the Saints go, you know, the over-under here was 54-and-a-half. It was tied, I think, yep. for the highest over-under of the day. You knew it was going to be a shootout here. And what it is, Alvin Kamara, there's no number two wide receiver on this team. The number two pass catcher on this team is Alvin Kamara. And well, what is he caught? Like 26, 25 or 26 passes in the last two weeks. As long as this team keeps giving up points the way it is, you know, Mark Ingram is going to be back you know, in two weeks. But you know, Alvin Kamara is still going to have a huge Huge workload. You know, I was wrong that they weren't going to try and overwork him. You know, they, they certainly are. You know, this team has changed back to what it was pre-2006, pre-2017, where the defense is not playing well. Drew Brees has to put up a ton of points, and they have a workhorse running back, you know, who's fresh, who's young, and they're going to continue to ride him. Absolutely. Scotty, I want to go a little bit more on this Panthers-Bengals game. We'll talk about the shootout down in Atlanta on the other side of the break because I want to give you a chance also to talk about your boy Calvin Ridley, who definitely announced himself yesterday as well. But back to this Panthers-Bengals game. Let me ask you this. You said McCaffrey's an RB1 in PPR formats. What about in standard, Scott? In standard formats, listen, if he's going to get 28 carries, I know there's going to be games where he catches 12 balls, and that's going to be what really helps his value. I think it's absolutely clear in PPR, but if he's going to be this kind of workhorse, like you're saying, and the yards matter anyway, is, is CMC a, a number one running back even in standard settings moving forward, Scott? Not as definitively because, you know, okay. when you're looking at a standard league, the lifeblood of it is more the touchdowns. 
and you know Cam Newton's going to continue to you know steal a lot of those touchdown carries, and you're not going to get enough from McCaffrey. Although you know the, the total yardage is going to be there, and it's going to be nice. So he's more of a back end RB one in a in a, in a non PPR format. Do we even call it standard anymore? Because it seems like. PPR is the standard. Is standard, right? It's almost yeah. like you have to say non-PPR. <laughs> yeah. you know? uh, let's put it this way, Scott. Let's let all the listeners know. On Roto Experts in the Morning, moving forward, Scott, if we don't say anything, we're assuming PPR. How about that, Scotty? That's how I've always operated, pretty much. I'm just like, I, I want to let the people yeah. know. I want to let the yeah. people know that if we don't hear anything, we're assuming that it's a PPR format because it seems like that's the way <clears throat> the NFL is going. I want to ask you, though, on the other side of things, A.J. Green left his game banged up, uh, hip, groin, something, something in that midsection, not good for A.J. Green. We're going to get reports on that. But I got to say, Scott, last week when we were talking about waiver wires, we talked about Tyler Boyd. We told people to go out and get Tyler Boyd. We said that we believed he was sustainable. Sustainable as the wide receiver two for Cincy. We said he was ahead of John Ross. We said he was banged up last year but had a good rookie year. We thought Tyler Boyd was viable. I had him, Scotty, in my DFS lineups this week. I game stacked Atlanta, New Orleans. I game stacked Kansas City, San Francisco. And then as my punt play, I had Tyler Boyd at 4,700. He rewarded me handsomely. Six catches, 132 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, people need to go get Tyler Boyd if they don't already now, especially with A.J. Green getting banged up, right? Yeah, if they didn't pick him up last week, his services are definitely going to be sought out this week. Him and Mike Williams of the Chargers are going to be two hot pickups, because I think some people weren't quite sold on Mike Williams either, who we'll get to mm-hmm. later, but Boyd really stepped up uh, You know, with A.J. Green out. Uh, he kind of landed on his side there, said he almost felt like two bones hit, but he's saying that he's going to be ready for next week, but the players are often say that, so We'll have to play wait and see if it's only a groin injury. You know, you could be I think you could be optimistic about next week. And this team's gonna continue to throw the ball by good protection. Although Andy Dalton showed what he can be in a two game span. Four touchdowns last week, four interceptions this week. That's why you can't trust Andy Dalton. Yeah, Andy Dalton on the home at home and on the road are two very different things as well. We continue breaking down the games when we come back as Roto Experts in the morning. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Fantasy Sports Radio Network, the King Scott Angle. I'm merely the spitting statistician, Dane Martinez. Scotty, we were talking about Panthers, Bengals. Panthers get a W, 31-21 to go 2-1 and one on the season. The Bengals drop to 2-1. and one. Uh, Last thing I want to mention on this game, Scotty, 
you know, uh, the number one waiver pickup last week was Giovanni Bernard. He gets in the end zone, 12 carries, 61 yards. He also does a little bit in the receiving game with five catches for 21. So you're okay with 86 total yards, five catches, and a touchdown. Um, I would be, at least. You know, that get you 19 PPR points. We're into that one. I'm hearing reports, though, that Joe Mixon is really trying feverishly hard to get back, maybe even as soon as next week. Talk to me about Giovanni. Giovanni Bernard, are you happy with his effort? And what do you see in him going forward? If Mixon comes back, was he really, did people spend their waiver wire as a one week kind of rental? Well, if it helped you win your game, I think it was worth it. Uh, I think he got what you expected from Gio. You know, he didn't see a ton of rushing yardage, but his versatility, you know, you got what you wanted yesterday. If you were disappointed in the Bengals yesterday, it certainly didn't rest on Giovanni Bernard fantasy wise. Yeah, that is true. The Bengals are two and one. But listen, in that division with Pittsburgh, you know, they play tonight. Pittsburgh is still winless. The Browns are one, one and one. Uh, Baltimore at two and one. And Cincy at two and one. That division is really anybody's up for grabs. Let's go, Scott, to a game that's had a lot of points. And I know we got to talk about it. We told people the game stack this game, the Saints. 43 to 37 in overtime. If you game stack this one, you are doing pretty well. Drew Brees had 396 yards and three touchdowns, not to mention that he had two rushing touchdowns. So he calculated, he, um, you know, accounted for five touchdowns. So did Matt Ryan, 374 yards and five touchdowns. Production with the receivers as well. We already talked about Kamara's day. Uh, Michael Thomas, 10 catches, 129 yards. He continues to extend his record in terms of catches in the first three games of the season. On the Atlanta side, though, Scott, the rookie, Calvin Ridley, announced himself seven catches, 146 yards, three touchdowns for the kid. It seems like if defenders' eyes are on the other side of the field with Julio or Sanu or anybody else, Matt Ryan is finding Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley with a huge game rewarding DFS guy. Yeah, you know, Ridley was the best wide receiver uh, regarded by a lot of people coming out of this class. Rookie receivers don't always make an impact, but, you know, this is the guy I've said that they've searched for uh, opposite Julio Jones because, you know, defense is focused so much on Julio Jones, they have to make him pay with somebody else. And, you know, they're starting to do that with Calvin Ridley over the last two weeks. You know, this guy is emerging as a very strong fantasy wide receiver three with upside right now. Absolutely. Um, At last check, you know, your boy Austin Hooper had three catches for 23 yards. My guy, Mohamed Sanu, helps me out with a touchdown in this game. Almost everybody scored a touchdown. Four catches for 36 yards for him. Julio, five for 96. I want to give a huge shout out, Scott. I'm trying to see. I thought you were tagged on this one. You were not. Lamar DePrince III on Twitter. Okay, hit me up along with uh, Fantasy Taz, the fantasy exec from uh, Football Frenzy and Fantasy Radio. Um, In the middle of the four o'clock games, Scott, Lamar DePrince III at Fantasy Fat Boy says, 
my Calvin Ridley Matt stack right now. I can't believe this. And he says, at Fantasy Radio, at Spittin' Speeds, at Fantasy Exec. He says, thank you guys so much. Oh, my God. I'm just a regular working guy. This is crazy. I'm the top of the tournament right now. He stacked Matt Ryan and Calvin Ridley. That worked out. We told people, Scotty, about these game stacks. I remember saying, listen, this game was a total in the 50s. The Chiefs-Niners game had a total in the 50s. The only other totals with the 50s were not on the DFS slate. was Sunday night, which actually went under, and then again tonight. So you could have done well, really, stacking up those two games we told you. Those two turned out to be the two highest scoring games of the day. Hopefully people listen to us in DFS. Big shout out to Fantasy Fat Boy, who stacked up Matt Ryan and Calvin Ridley based some on what we were saying last week, Scotty. Yeah, I'd like to see who else uh, actually was on that roster yeah. uh, because it, it sounds like, you know, he made some other nifty picks, probably used the Daily Roto, the lineup optimizer. Yep, absolutely. Maybe he listened to me and also had Tyler Boyd in there for only $4,700. That is something that could probably have helped you out as well. All right, um, Scotty, here's where I want to go. We just talked about some of the NFC South. I want to talk about the AFC South, Scotty. My AFC South pick to win the division beat your AFC South pick to win the division in a battle of field goals. The Tennessee Titans beat the Jaguars 9-6 to in an ugly one, Scotty. Everybody was talking about, oh my God, I'm riding with Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles looks great. Blake Bortles looks great. And I was like, wait a second, guys. He's still Blake Bortles. 21 for 35 21 of 34 155 yards rushing TJ I I mean passing he did have 27 yards on the ground as well TJ Yeldon only 44 yards on the ground you know Yeldon did have another 46 via the passing game but everybody all of a sudden was so hyped up on guys like Keelan Cole and Dante Moncrief Moncrief defecates the mattress only two catches for 16 yards Cole eh, representative effort I guess 5 for 40, but not much offense in this one. On the other side of things also, I mean, Henry gets, you know, 18 carries for 57 yards. Deion Lewis doesn't do much, only 9 for 26. Get your three catches in the receiving game. Not a lot of offense to speak of in this one, Scott. No, and uh, I was saying yesterday on uh, Fantasy Football Today that, you know, if there's one game I'm taking the under on, it's this. It could be a low-scoring Divisional type of contest, and that's exactly what it is. Uh, you know the uh, the the Jaguars were not missing Leonard Fournette last week, but they certainly missed him this week. Uh, mm. You know the, the Titans very just very physical uh, game yesterday, and like you said, I was wondering if Blake Bortles had turned a corner after last week's game, and he hasn't. He's still Blake Bortles, and you know they took away Keelan Cole. You know, he's got to prove that he can do that for two games in a row. You know, when teams watch film on him and say we have to take him away, that uh, they're not able to take him away. They're not? I think they are able to take him away. No, that's what I said. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, you know. Well, they took him away, you know, because they watched the film on him and said, we got to take this guy away. Right. And And I think that's, you know, teams will do that in the NFL. And Keelan Cole's got to show that he can still step up when teams are aware of him. Absolutely, Scott. I think the change, the transition you're talking about is Keelan Cole was this nice story, 
right? You know, in previous weeks. But like now you're saying now he's the focus of defensive coordinators attention. <laughs> that's a much different, you know, that's a much different assignment to still produce. Austin Safarian Jenkins, who some people had in their lineups, the Rastafari, King Hali Selassie, he only gets three Blue catches clad. for 18 yards, but everything's still iry with Austin Safarian Strictly Jenkins. Root. You know what I'm saying. Um, Scotty, you know, the Jaguars were your AFC South pick. The Titans were my AFC South pick. They now both stand at 2-1. and one. Also in that division, um, your Super Bowl pick, Scott. And unfortunately, they yeah, that's at not, home that's not go to 0-3. No. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't look good. But here's the thing, and I'm not trying to pile on, Scott, I promise. But here's the thing. Honestly, Scott... It comes down to, in my opinion, part of what I was saying go in, going into this season, I was really worried about this offensive line, Scott. And let me tell you something. Deshaun Watson's numbers are going to look just fine. 24 for 40, 385 yards and two touchdowns. He had the one to Will Fuller, I believe, um, that looked nice. Okay, Lamar Miller also at the end of the game in garbage time. But here's the thing. You could see 385 from Deshaun Watson and two touchdowns. But here's the thing to me. This offensive line is still the culprit and two reasons why one the run game Lamar Miller 10 carries for 10 yards that is not going to cut it we were laughing last year uh, whether there were a couple of teams who were in this exact situation where we were laughing when the quarterback was the leading rusher of the team and that is now what's happening with the Houston Texans but the other thing that you will not see in the box score but they made this point on the telecast a number of times Scott, when quarterbacks know that they are going to be under pressure very quick because of the piss-poor offensive line like we see in Houston, you know what they do. You know what the natural human tendency is. You know what comes next. Their eyes, Scott, and their eyes stop looking down the field and start to actually pay attention to the rush. And that's what we're seeing with Deshaun Watson. His eyes are not downfield. He's worried about the rush, and so he's missing people that are wide open. He's not making his reads because he's worried about having to exit the pocket. I really believe that is what's going to happen, and unfortunately, that is not fixable. It's not like they're going to bring in three stud offensive linemen off the street. I'm severely worried about the Houston Texans and the regression of Deshaun Watson, despite what it looks like in the box score, Scott. Yeah, you know, with uh, with Deshaun Watson right now, it's, he's he's dealing with uh, with what some NFL experts are calling the worst offensive line in all of the NFL. And, yep, that's what I said at know, the beginning of the year. When he when he when he's breaking out of the pocket, it, he's uh, he's trying to force things too, and he certainly did on one interception yesterday. He's not getting any support from the running game. He's not getting any support from the offensive line. The defense continues to be very very disappointing. You know, this team has lost nine straight going back to last year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Scotty. So let's spin this forward. Well, I mean. Deshaun Watson's box scores, like I said, they're going to look okay for fantasy because he's running around, you know, he's running around trying to make Russell Wilson schoolyard plays, Scott. That's what he's doing. And he does have some dynamic ability. Obviously, we know the kind of athlete he is. He is going to maybe, it may help his fantasy game running-wise, right? It may help him because he's going to have to throw the ball up. And, and, you know, guys like 
DeAndre Hopkins may still be fine. Representative effort out of D-Hop, not the explosion you expect. But listen, you can't be mad with 6 for 86. Will Fuller can't be mad for 5 for 101 and a touchdown. So these things may not show up in the box score for fantasy unless you're a Lamar Miller owner, to be quite honest. Only 10 yards. He did get the touchdown in the receiving game, 5 for 41 there. But I think for the real Texans, for the real NFL um, team, this is a huge problem, Scotty, and I don't see it getting fixed anytime soon. I think he's going to be volatile, and he's okay. the must-start tag has been ripped off of him. Uh, you know, I wouldn't compare him to Wilson. Uh, you know, what, especially what Wilson did last year, because Wilson was, you know, even though he didn't have a running game, uh, you know, the defense was better than what you see in Houston, and I, I just don't think that. You know, Deshaun Watson is anywhere the decision maker that Russell Wilson is. So I think at times it is going to show up in the box score, and you are going to get some bad games like you've already seen from Deshaun Watson. All right, well, there it is. You know, like we said, we've seen that we saw it last year. I warned against it this year. The offensive line can completely eviscerate a team's prospects, and unfortunately, this may be the case with the Houston Texans. On the other side of things, Scotty, before we hit the top of the hour, the Giants get their first win of the season. Eli Manning, only four incompletions on the day. He goes 25 of 29, 297 yards. We saw a Sterling Shepard sighting. He goes six for 80 with the touchdown. Down. Odell gets his nine for 109. I want to ask you about Saquon Barkley, though, Scotty. I mean, you know, 82 yards and a touchdown, another 35 in the receiving game. So he continues to contribute at like an RB1 should. But I remember my thought, my fear on him going into the season was similar because of the offensive line. He breaks the big run, but then he has a lot of two-yard carries, you know, where he gets bottled up. Is that any kind of concern for you? Because we've always said Saquon, you know, sometimes backs in the NFL need to just put their head down and get the three or four yards. It doesn't look like that's in Saquon's game. I don't know if I'm that concerned about it yet because maybe we haven't seen the best of Barkley. You know, if that's his floor, what you saw yesterday, I'm fine with it. And there's a lot of running backs who's played the NFL where they'll get one, two, one, two, one, two, boom, 50 yards. You know, that's that's just because they're very talented. They're chipping away and, you know, they'll go back to the huddle and say, look, I've seen somewhere, you know, I've seen a crease here. Let's do that again. Uh, You know, working with their quarterback. So I'm not worried about Saquon Barkley, you know, and, uh, you know, fan, I hate fantasy analysts who actually say, well, take that one one touchdown run away and he's only got this. You don't take it away. That's what makes Saquon Barkley who he is. He's earned it, et cetera. You know, Saquon Barkley hasn't had a disappointing fantasy game yet. I don't think there's anything to be negative about. I think we just haven't seen the best of him yet. All right, fair enough. He had 117 total yards from scrimmage, five catches, make it 16-something. Then when you add the touchdown, you get over 20 points. You can't complain when you get over 20 points. How many running backs are giving you that on a consistent basis in fantasy football? Not many. Not many. You'll take it. Absolutely. Listen, and if you took him, you know, where you took him, Right. In the same place, generally speaking, where you're taking Kareem Hunt, where you're worried about his rushing yards, where you're taking where you took Dalvin Cook, where he missed a game, where you took Leonard Fournette, where he missed a game. To be quite honest, the only players that were taken in that mid first round where you took Saquon Barkley, you know, you're happier right now if you had Saquon Barkley over David Johnson. If you made that call, the only running backs in that neighborhood mid first round who are doing what Saquon Barkley is doing is if you took Alvin Kamara 
in that spot, or maybe if you took Melvin Gordon in that spot, he continues to show up and show out for you. But those are the running backs that are doing it. You're obviously happy right now if you took Saquon Barkley over a Le'Veon Bell, for example. The Giants go ahead and get their first win of the season. We were talking NFC East teams. We're talking AFC South teams. Last team that I want to briefly mention, we'll talk about it more on the other side of the break at the top of the hour on Fantasy Sports Today, is the return of Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz and the Eagles get a W at home, 20-16 to 16 over the Colts. Scotty, what do you take from this game? I, there's not much for me, to be quite honest. You know, there was no Ajayi and no Sproles. Everyone thought Corey Clement was going to be a workhorse, yet Wendell Smallwood has 10 carries for 56 yards and a touchdown, another 35 yards through the air. It was Smallwood who scored the uh, most fantasy points out of Philly running backs yesterday. Yeah, this could continue to be a committee, you know, no, no matter who's there, because that's just what they like to do. And uh, with Carson Wentz, the knee looked very good. You know, when he was evading the rush, you know, darting back and forth, uh, you know, he was running out of the pocket. So it was very encouraging. Right now, though, he's got to get all Sean Jeffrey back. And once he does, he, I think uh, he's confident in the knee in the next few weeks. You're going to see the numbers trend upward. But the Colts play good defense. You know, they came into this game 10th mm-hmm. in ter- terms of points allowed. You know, they only held them to 20 yesterday. You know, this front seven is looking pretty good. You know, they got some pieces in the secondary. The Colts are not the defensive pushover that we thought they were. Interesting that Speeds decided to be high on the Colts and Titans in the AFC South and down on the Houston Texans for some of these reasons, Scotty. We'll finish off one hour in the books. We'll come on right back, though. It's Fantasy Sports Today. We'll keep talking about everything that happened in week three, what to have faith in, and what was a fugazi. Come on back, Dane and Scott, for another hour right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. <laughs> 